Welcome to The Art of Creative Living, a podcast for heart-centered creatives and entrepreneurs who want to be true to themselves, follow their heart rather than their fears, and cultivate personal freedom, self-expression, and joy in their work and life. I'm your host, Nicola Newman, an award-winning artist, creative mentor and business coach, writer and founder of Flourish, The Art of Creative Living, a year-long creativity school. And I'm currently cruising the east coast of Australia in a 35-foot sailboat. This podcast is for you if you're ready to be brave, follow your heart, nurture your self-belief and bring to life what you long to create in the world. And you are listening to Episode 7 of Season 1. Today, I'm joined by Naomi Arnold, an award-winning life and business coach, entrepreneur, writer and researcher with a background in psychology, health and human rights, my fellow co-host in the Gentle Business Mastermind and one of my dearest friends. In this episode, Naomi shares some really practical frameworks to help you choose where to focus your energy, love and attention in your business. And she has such a beautiful, calming presence. I think you're really going to love this episode. Naomi's taught me so much about doing business gently by developing systems and tools to help get projects completed with more joy. I'm super excited that you get to learn from her too and hear how she likes to do business gently. Let's get started. Naomi, I am so thrilled to be able to spend this next hour or so chatting with you about your business and how you got started. And of course, we know each other very well. But to begin with, would you please share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Of course. First, thank you so much for having me. You know how much I love you and it feels very special to have a chance to do this so thank you oh thank you (laughs) my pleasure it's an honor so who am I for everyone else listening Nick (laughs) I'm um I'm a life and business coach and I have a background in psychology and health I'm really passionate about helping people bring to life the dreams that they hold for themselves but also those that they have for their loved ones and for the world at large. I'm also a mum to a five-year-old and I'm doing my master's in human rights so I find I can really appreciate I guess what a lot of my clients are going through because many of them have a pretty epic juggling act and they have this tension between wanting to really be there for their loved ones to be of service and make some kind of difference in the world to figuring out and doing what their own ambitions and dreams might be and they seem to be lifelong learners and wanting to grow and and develop all the time and then life's curveballs get thrown at you too so that's in the mix (laughs) And, and then they're trying to manage all of this while taking care of themselves and and doing it in a way that is at least semi sustainable and and healthy so that's probably a really brief summary of what I get up to in my work. 
Mm, I love it. And um, you've been doing this work for a few years now. When was it that you knew that you wanted to start a business? And oh, what were you doing answer. before then? Yeah, I could answer that question in so many different ways. <laughs> what way should I tell it today? <laughs> so I, I say that because I feel like there were lots of little realisations along the way I just didn't pay attention to them until one really noticeable point so what I was doing beforehand is I was working for the Australian government department of health and I was working there for about eight years before I left and before that I had I guess when I finished school I had no idea what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to help people I was curious about people but there's lots of things that you can do. There's lots of careers <laughs> where you can help people and <laughs> where you're curious about people. So I enrolled in a Bachelor of Psychology thinking, oh, that'll be interesting. And at least it opens up opportunities uh, in all different types of careers. So it'll buy me four years or so to think <laughs> about what, <laughs> what I actually want to do. And then I fell into this job at the Australian Government as soon as I graduated straight mm. away it was initially as part of a graduate program and I still didn't really know what I wanted to do career-wise but I went along thinking I'll go for a year and then by then I will I'll know I'll know what I want to do but about seven years later <laughs> well, and a few detours I took six months leave without pay and did a a, a brief some brief time doing as an intern psychologist I applied for the Australian Federal Police and was accepted and said mm. no thanks once I realized that wasn't for me and then I got pregnant with with Daniel and I think it was at this point where I thought it's time to do something so I went back to researching and analyzing again still didn't have much of an uh, much more of an idea than what I did previously I thought about business over that whole time but not seriously I thought well what would I do uh, is that realistic I had a quite a good wage at government so and lots of flexibility so how was I going to ever match that and I just got to this point where I thought um, I'm going to stop thinking about it all and and feel into something for once <laughs> because mm. I hadn't tried that approach yet and every other approach I was trying was not working. Mm. So it was time to try something new. And that's when I stumbled across Marie Folio's B-School and my head had lots of reasons for why I shouldn't do that. But for the first time I actually noticed that little nudge that said, this feels right. I still have no idea what my business is going to be but it feels right that I'm going to have a business and that this is the first step to figuring out what that might be. Wow. So that's where it all kind of started. I remember skipping down the, the street with the pram, with a big smile on my face and horns beeping, people beeping their horns at me because I looked really silly. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I felt so much joy. I was like, yeah. I'm, actually, I'm actually taking action instead of researching and re-researching and analysing and, and it felt right. Mm. 
believe it or not, that's the short version. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved that. And I would love to hear the long version one day too. Um, it's interesting. We would, we had a, a general business mastermind community call this morning and one of the members on there was sharing how she was experimenting with this notion of just taking action and um, letting go of always thinking about everything and analyzing everything and, and instead just taking, well, a couple of members actually saying, you know, just acting on those inspired actions that drop in and seeing where they lead and their faces were, you could see on their shoulders how that felt and what a difference it was making in their lives to, um, <laughs> it sounds so cliche because it's the name of the podcast, but to follow their heart. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Ching, ching. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's not really part of our culture is that we're not often um, taught the tools or the framework or the value of um, using our mind, you know, to help work through certain uh, areas and certain level of decision-making, but then how to tap into that intuitive side and, and step into from that place. So I love hearing your very clear decision-making in that time of your life to think, I'm going to try something different. Hmm. Yeah, and it can show up differently, that intuitive nudge, I guess, for everyone. Mm -hmm. I keep myself very busy and always have, and I feel like I didn't ever give myself the time to notice that I had them in that context. Mm. In other contexts, I did when it came to, I guess, relationships and and other things in my life but when it came to career and what to do next there I had to kind of consciously tell myself hey step out of your head for a while and connect with your heart and trust that and it got to a point where for me I made a commitment like I challenged myself for a whole year I was going to make heart-based decisions that for sure, I'm going to listen to my head because she can be pretty smart sometimes. <laughs> and um, I'll listen to all the objections and the things that she has to say because that can be really useful. Mm. But I'm going to notice that little flutter that usually is toward the beginning and it's quite quick and I can miss it quite easily and return back to that where I can for a whole year. And wow, did it it pay off, which it sounds like it has been too for the masterminders, which is. Yeah, that's right. And I was just thinking like, you could, as soon as you started talking like that, I was thinking you could write a book about it, but it's like the year of less that's just come out. It was a book about less spending, but yeah, the year of heart led nudges. Mm. You could. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. has been stored away. <laughs> And let's circle around now to why it was that you chose to start a business. What was it that was calling to you and what were you looking for or hoping for at that crossroads? To be completely honest, I don't think I know. I, like I could give you these beautiful reasons why with hindsight, looking back, knowing what I do now, mm -hmm. but in the moment, I don't think I really 
had a why beyond this feels right at the moment. The whys I had were so broad. They were, I wanted the same ones I'd had for the past 15 years. Um, they just didn't have a direction to point towards. So I think that was probably the biggest difference, which again is fitting for the name of your podcast. The why was just to, to listen and be curious and follow my heart here and see what happens. Mm. I'm completely surprised to hear that. I didn't know you would say that as your answer. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Surprise sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're my most, you know, strategic planned person and friend in my life. And I thought that there would be definitely some clear um, objectives in this decision. <laughs> Naomi, I was very pleasantly and, and incredibly surprised. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think that was what used to, and still does, if I'm not careful, what, what was getting in the way. And that's why when I made that realization that I need to do something different, and let that strategizer and that planner go on a little holiday for a little while. Mm. That was where I started to notice little shifts and where I could use that part of me in a more helpful way. Mm. So, yeah, I, it was just those overarching, I, I want to help people. I want to do something that feels fulfilling. And it was as broad as that. Yeah, 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 great. And so now in your business, you've got multiple projects on the go. And I know, well, you've got friends that just suggest other projects like writing a book about your <laughs> heart-led um, Other projects are coming up in your sphere all the time. How do you listen to your heart and to choose what, you are going to focus on in your business? That's such a good question. I need to think on that one. How do I do that? I think I think it is noticing that initial flutter or feeling or trying to. And then I do do the reflection and the thinking and the strategizing but more so to inform that or if I realise that I want to do it but it's my, my mind is telling me all these fear-based reasons for why I shouldn't, that helps me then unpack that. Mm. And, then some, and then just learning to trust when, my, when I'm thinking, no, this isn't right for me or this isn't right for me now. Mm-hmm. And that's where my business coach Lena West, who you know, she has these really powerful three questions and she's articulated it in such a way that I find so helpful and it works with my structured mind. Uh, She asks, like, is this true? Is this true for me? And is this true right for me right now? Mm. And I find that really helps me too because sometimes I do have this hit like, yes, (laughs) yes, I want to do that. And then when I settle into it, it's true. Yeah, I do. And it's true for me, but it's not right now. Mm. So I've tried to shake up my all or nothing thinking there that an idea is either for me or it isn't. And through questions like that, it helps me, I guess, identify which ones don't feel right. That's easy. 
And then the ones that do feel right, but whether they need to just be parked for now while I focus on, on something else. Mm. Mm. What a beautiful framework and really opens up that sense of spaciousness, doesn't it? Because I think we can so easily fall into like the, the, there's value in a sense of urgency when, when you've chosen a project and to, you know, keep acting on those inspirations and, and the momentum that results from that. But, but when there's an urgency because we feel like we're going to miss out or because it's um, not going, it's going to fail if we don't do it right now, then it brings a whole other level of heaviness to projects and um, it can lead us away from the heart of what it is that we're trying to do. I love that. They're beautiful three questions. Mm. Yeah, she's full of lots of gems. <laughs> she is. She lots is. of help, helpful frameworks. <laughs> um, and you mentioned also about, when, about fears and being able to unpack those. What sort of things do you rely on to help you unpack the fears and then find the courage to move forward? This is where my strategic brain, I think, comes in really helpful mm -hmm. with unpacking fears because I have two frameworks that I rely on there and they've become, I've used them so much that they've kind of become instinctual now. So they happen quite naturally without me having to go through the steps like I used to. Mm. I can touch on those a little bit if you like. Yeah, that would be amazing. So the first one is a four-step process that I take myself through when a fear comes up or when my inner critic is getting in the way. And the first step that I do, which is really important for me because I, I, am, I am managing quite a big juggling act where if I'm not careful, I don't even notice the fears or the inner critic because I'm just feeling all the space. Mm -hmm. So the first step is to become aware in the first place. I need to notice what that fear is and the stories that are attached to it and anything that might be triggering it to come up. So if I use an example, public speaking, like many people, I'm sure is something I'm terrified of. And when life is full, I just wouldn't pay attention to the fact that I was resisting it by having an excuse every time an opportunity came up for public speaking. Mm. I just conveniently had something on or was too busy to say yes, even if, it's, if it was something that I could speak on. So first I had to actually stop and, and notice that I was doing that mm. and question why and whether I actually did want to give speaking a go and that was when the second step comes in for me so that's when I assess and I ask myself questions like is the story or the thing I'm fearful of is that really true is it a half truth is it a part truth is there any evidence to support either way so we're speaking yeah, it's, it's completely true that I get really nervous and that people will very likely notice how nervous I am. So there were some truths in there. But when I think about, oh, that means I'm going to be terrible at it and people are going to think that 
I look silly. Well, that's not completely true. Mm. I've got through these things before with the nurse. I've been able to to speak and and do an okay job <laughs> without without uh, feeling completely without nerves. I've got good feedback, so it was kind of assessing the validity of those things. And then the third step is I tried to reframe that in, I guess, a more more helpful or healthy way. So things like it's okay to be nervous. Some of the best public speakers in the world, they say that they still get nervous. Mm. I can still speak with integrity, even with the nerves and, and things like that. And then the final one is to act and what is something I can do to move forward here, even through the nerves. And that leads into then my next framework that I always fall back on. And that is, well, what can I do before, during and after this fear-based thing to help me get through it? So we're speaking beforehand. I can get a public speaking coach, which I did when I initially worked through this process. I can think about, well, what sorts of things will help me feel more comfortable before the big day? I can prepare, I can practice, I can talk to the organisers and say what type of mic will we be using, how many people are there, what will the setup be. I can find out where the exit points are so I can make a run for it on the day <laughs> if worst-case scenario mm. I need to. Mm. Um, and then on the day, I, I know that if I focus on being really present when I'm standing beside the stage, really feeling those flutters and my legs shaking, if I focus on being present when listening to whoever's speaking now or whoever's with me, mm. that really helps. I know grinding my feet to the, to the earth when I stand up there helps. I know reminding myself, hey, what you share isn't going to be for everyone and that's okay. Uh, just speak your truth. And for those who resonate with it will hear it, those who don't won't, and that's completely cool. Like that's not up to you to control. So I have all these little things now that I do to help me get through the actual moment. And then afterwards as a massive introvert and highly sensitive person, I then have to take really good care of myself afterwards to like refill that cup and to recenter and realign myself. And so I apply that process every time I, I guess I notice a fear come up and the stories that are attached to it to, especially if it's a fear that I want to work through. There are some where I'm like jumping out of a plane. I have no interest in working through that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other people would disagree with me and that's of course that's that's great they'll they 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 might love that but for me I have no interest in overcoming that fear whereas with something like public speaking I was curious I thought I might love it mm. but this fear is holding me back so I want to at least give it a go and so then I work through this process to help get there that's got to be the most eloquent and articulate framework for working through fear that I've ever heard. <laughs> you can tell that I'm someone who's had to practice it a bit. <laughs> it's so useful. So it was awareness and then yeah. assessing, mm -hmm. reframing, and then action. Mm -hmm. And from the action, 
checking in with yourself to see how you can take care of yourself and support yourself before, during and after. Yes. Excellent summary. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Top of the class. Um, (laughs) You must be a coach and good at active listening. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Thanks. (laughs) No, I just, I, I know it's funny because we, um, we have talked about this before, but we talked about it in relation to my fears that came up when we started sailing and I hadn't been sailing for years and years and it re-triggered all this old trauma in me. And, and I told you my story and I was like, I think Naomi, I've worked out, I have to figure out if it's true and then tell myself that it's not happening currently. And you were like, yes. And then you told me the summary of what I'd just done. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's already been worked out. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm. <laughs> so you just naturally took yourself through the process. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the part about making yourself feel safe, I think that was the thing for me coming on board the boat, probably because it's um, such a, you know, it's a, it's, there's a physical threat to your safety. It made me think more, more in depth around how important that is for us as Um, business owners and creators to actually really do all that we can to make ourselves feel safe so that we from that place you can step into the unknown and take the actions that you want to take Mm. yeah absolutely and there's so many unknowns aren't there and and Mm. edges to learning and fears that come up in this type of work Mm -hmm. yeah so you naturally tend to find a way to work through those Mm. otherwise your business doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it's go anywhere. sustainable yeah well, nobody knows about it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um when you were talking about things that you do to look after yourself as a highly sensitive person and introvert after an event such as that um that sort of feeds into this next question that I have which is how do you stay inspired and um, yeah, keep your well of inspiration topped up as a business owner because really it's riding on you to provide the momentum in the business. What do you find works for you? Yeah, there's such a combination of things and it can shift a lot too depending on what's happening. Things like I need a lot of alone time mm. and... I need to be getting out in nature and going down the beach and reading a lot and doing things in my own way. So if I want to go to conferences to learn more, knowing that for me, I won't go to the networking things afterwards. I won't have expectations on myself to meet however many people or Mm anything like that, I'm happy to be by myself in the corner soaking up what the speakers are saying and I don't put that expectation on myself anymore to to network. And if people say, are you coming tonight to the cocktails? I just say, no, thank you. I'm going home to be by myself now. <laughs> um, and also just it really comes down to, I think, people and my support network so I am inspired all the time by people like you and Mandy and 
and our masterminders and clients and you know, peers and family and friends. So I think and enrolling, I enroll in so many courses and trainings. And so it's a whole suite of things there, I think. Yeah, and I can relate to all those things that you've just talked about. Um, and I think recognizing that, you know, if one of your core values is learning, then that includes investing in yourself with the time and the resources, whether it be books or programs to keep um, expanding your world. And I find that's really important in my uh, business and creativity too, to, because I love to learn. And if I start to see that as being an expense instead of an investment, um, I cut my nose off to spite my face. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know about for you, but for me, I need to make sure that I have thought about creating the space for that when I enter a course or a phase of learning around something, because I'm very reflective and like to think about how I can integrate what I'm learning or reflecting on. Mm. <laughs> that in itself takes time and energy sometimes. Mm. So it's really important for me to not only be enrolling in these things and making time for these things, but to be actually consciously making sure I have the space and the environment to do it in my way. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Now, let's circle around a little bit to your, well, we could talk around your business model, and but also how you found clarity around what you offer and who you serve. What was that journey like for you? Because if you, you enrolled in B school, not yet knowing what your business was going to be, and then what happened after that? <laughs> good question. You asked so many good big questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think once I made that conscious shift to stop hanging out in my head so much, I was in this more active place. So I think I essentially learned through trial and error and through doing really through thinking alone so I was really focusing on what do I know for sure what do I know right now whereas in the past I would have focused on what don't I know and how can I figure this out <laughs> before I do anything so that shift in itself really helped me. So as I was going through B school and then I went through a similar process in discovering the Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy and, and something that I previously wouldn't have even looked at enrolling in, I had thought if I was going to do something service-based, it would be continuing along the path of becoming a psychologist, not a life coach. <laughs> so doing that, following that next little clue. And then when I took the time to think about, well, what do I know at the moment? I knew that I wanted to, as I've said, I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people feel 
healthy and happy and purposeful mm -hmm. and make a difference in some way. So I knew that and moved forward from there. And my business, when I first launched, was Project Healthy Happy Me and I was a life and wellness coach. And that was because I was centering around what I did know. And then through practice and reflection and practice and reflection and practice, it kind of evolved to what I'm doing today and I'm sure will continue to evolve in the same way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that process of um, taking action and then reflecting on the action, tweaking and then taking more action is ongoing, isn't it? <laughs> it's just yeah. not, it's life. That's what life is. Yeah, exactly. I suspect too that maybe people who are attracted to things like starting business are especially like that as well. Yeah, probably. So, so you you hung your shingle out, and you were you started offering services as, with life coaching. Mm -hmm. Did you know who your ideal customer was going to be, or did you just start sharing your values and what? you could help people with and then it became clearer over time yes and no mm -hmm. uh, i think those who teach ideal client work would say no because it wasn't a narrowly defined niche mm -hmm. it wasn't like i'm going to be serving someone within a certain age bracket with this specific issue mm -hmm. but i always have had a different I guess approach to that side of thing because I'm complex, the people I work with are complex and I feel like we have multiple issues going on. It's, mm. it's not just the one. And so my first website to some folk probably seemed really broad, but to me it was really clear. If you wanted, if you were struggling to figure out what your purpose was, you quite often were struggling with health and self-care and boundaries and things like this too, you quite often had a very full life and a lot going on and didn't have the space to process some of these things. Um, so I kind of felt at the time that health and happiness and purpose, all of these things were intertwined. Mm. And I think because... I approached it in that way and because I, I think that was clear on my, on my site, like people could read through it and go, oh, yeah, I feel that way too and I feel that way too. Mm. And, and, yeah, that, that's a problem for me as well. <laughs> and it resonated with them and with people who had, like, these multi-things going on and so that's what we worked on together. And then I refined it so... I knew quite quickly that I didn't love going deep on relationships and marriage type mm. stuff and I knew like I could do it and and we would have great results but I wasn't I wasn't loving that and I wasn't loving which was a surprise to me mm. the really deep body image mm. um 
emotional eating side of things. And I had thought because I had worked in the Department of Health, I'd worked for a long time in the healthy weight section, I had the psych degree, I had thought that might be somewhere that I would go towards, that I would lean towards. But I didn't love that. And if I had been forced to focus on this specific niche and chosen that one, Mm. I probably would have been set back a little bit. So I was able to tweak and refine my content then and just tweak the language a little bit. Mm -hmm. So those people didn't necessarily come to me but would go to folk who might be like more specialist in those types of areas. Mm. And I'm still kind of like that. Like if you go and look at my website, it's to me anyway, it's not a really defined niche like some other areas. It still is a little complex but it feels like it makes sense to the people it should make sense to Mm. which leads beautifully into our next area of of conversation and that is how do you love to foster an authentic connection with your community and I can vouch that the connection that you have with your community is really deep in so many instances and and we have so many people that have joined the master general business mastermind after finding us through your newsletter and your blogs um, and they resonate with you and trust you so much because of the content that you share are there things that you have been very conscious of in the way that you show up online in order to foster that authentic connection Hmm, there's, there's probably not a lot that I, if I'm completely honest, there's probably not a lot that I do consciously do to try and and foster that. It, I mean, it is, and first of all, thank you. Thank you for saying, <laughs> for saying that. That's a huge compliment because initially as you started to ask that question, I was thinking, well, I can't assume that I have an authentic <laughs> connection with my community. I aspire to, but whether I actually do might be another thing. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for observing that. Uh, I guess though, I guess some of the things that I probably do is I do try to be open and and vulnerable with them around what is happening. At the same time, though, I have always had this awareness too that. I can have boundaries there. I can still have a private life Mm. just like in any other profession. There are things that people don't share with their colleagues and their stakeholders and that's not expected of them. But in this profession, sometimes vulnerability means sharing everything. So I've had this consciousness, I guess, around being open and vulnerable in ways that will hopefully be useful. Mm to them and that they can resonate with and that they can see that, oh, gosh, I'm far from perfect <laughs> with all kinds of things uh, that I can, I can be working on and, and developing on mm. without giving them everything. So that's probably something. And the other thing is I, I try to be generous in giving, so I try to remember that, there's a lot going on in this in this space. So, you know, we're getting so many emails. We're, mm. There's so much happening on social media. There's 
so many offerings and freebies and things out there now that if someone's chosen to be in your community, even if it's for a short while, like that is such an honor. Mm. And so I try to keep that in mind and be as generous as I can with the free content and the freebies, but also with my offerings, the paid offerings as well. And in the same time, I ask them for support too. So if I need something, I will say to them, hey, can you help me with a testimonial? Or can you fill out this feedback form so I know what will help support you most? Or can you reply to this email and let me know you feel this way too sometimes? Mm. I think maybe there are a few of the things that I have deliberately done. Yeah, and that they are all gems and they line up with who you are and how you work so beautifully, like with your dream for others banner. Um, it really shows through in the content that you share because you're always championing, championing. How do you say that? Championing, <laughs> yeah. Championing um, <laughs> other people in your content as well. And, and that, and people resonate and enjoy that because you're, um, enlarging their networks and communities with new resources and, and thought leaders that they may not have come across otherwise. Um, but it just fits in with your, your strength and your values so naturally that um, it's very clever to weave, not, not clever in a, you know, <laughs> clever, but clever like as in smart <laughs> um, to work with those natural strengths of yours. Yeah. Ah, thank you. And I'm glad you said that. I didn't immediately think about it, but there's so much goodness out there and I just can't hold back. I feel like I'm cheating them if I don't tell them <laughs> about these things that I'm discovering in the many courses and readings and, and coachings that I do. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And you know, um, I've got the biggest smile as you're saying that because for you, like not, not everyone operates that way. Not everyone has that sensation of that they're cheating other people if they don't share other people's stuff or they're not, you know, that because they're not built that way and that's okay too. They've got other things to share and other ways to connect with their audience and community. Um, but when we slip into just doing the thing that comes naturally to us, it's sustainable and it's valuable and it's, um, often more fun <laughs> yeah mm. I think so mm. now let's talk about something that you might have a lot to say about I've had some guests on the podcast that they're like oh this is just not my fun area expertise <laughs> but for you Nay, I have learned so much from you in this area and that is what sort of tools processes <laughs> or systems <laughs> do you use to keep you on track and get all of your projects done? <laughs> you can probably answer this question better than me. <laughs> I feel like they're just so ingrained that I don't even realise that them. I have them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's just like having a knife on the table with my dinner. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so true. If that is what it feels like. <laughs> that's just how you do things. Okay, well, I can yeah. summarise some of the things that you do. <laughs> you know, one of the things I learned from you was to make an email template in Google Docs ahead of time 
Like I've always written emails at the moment that it has to go out mm-hmm. and thinking that I couldn't, um, you know, I wanted to have some relevance and time sensitive information in there, then I can't do it now. And it's not going to seem like it's in, in the right spirit, so to speak. But you showed me that you can just put a highlighted section in there that says insert greeting you know or insert update or insert whatever it is that you need to be telling them later on down the track when you have that information and then you can still write the whole content and body of the email and have it sitting there in google docs to support you later when it's time to send it that's been life-changing for me (laughs) that's the eight years in the public service (laughs) coming in to help me And also running, um, you know, we have meetings for the mastermind and we run with an agenda and um, we keep minutes, basically, for want of a sexier word. Um, But those containers are so useful in keeping us on track and keeping um, all the information that we brainstorm in one place so that we can refer back to it and we're not reinventing the wheel every time we get on a call and try and remember what we said last time and what decisions have been made. And um, they're really, really good, very basic and very like accessible probably to many people in the world. But somehow I missed a lot of that stuff and working with other people um, hasn't been something that I've had a lot of experience with and, coming in and working with you and Amanda this year has opened my eyes up to the way that that can be done um, in a very gentle and very um, uh, productive way. Yeah, it's really been lovely. Mm. It has, hasn't it? It has. (laughs) And, of course, you use Asana and, um, and we use, sometimes we've used Loom, um, to record little videos online that we can share and Zoom is great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I seem to have like an on-off relationship with a lot of those, like mm. Asana, for mm. example. And what we, I have zero for bookkeeping, which I think you use as well, and I use social mm. media schedulers. Mm. I think you're right. I think the biggest thing for me are those documents and templates and frameworks that I create, which I know I joked about, but in all seriousness, that is in big part thanks to being a public servant (laughs) because that's what we did in our work. But the other big part is because when I started my business, I had so much going on with working and having a newborn at home and studying. My dad had just got diagnosed with terminal brain cancer so I just I had we were moving into state there was just so much going on that it helped me feel a little bit more in control and it helped me feel like I could really make the most of the tiny pockets of time I had to work and be as productive as possible in those times Mm. and I knew that if I had to come up with content on the day when something is due to come out that if something happened that day so if my son was because he only used to have 20 minutes sleep during the day so if he decided not to sleep that day well there goes the newsletter or the blog Mm. or if something came up with uh, dad's treatment like there goes whatever so I kind of I had to rely on those types of things to be able to 
do what I did. And I feel like that has been such a asset for me now, even though I, I still have a full life. It, it's such an asset for me now because it's just become so natural mm. and helps me get a lot done, I guess, in not that much time. Mm. And as a creative person, it's helped me to learn those frameworks and templates. Um, in fact, I don't think I would be launching this podcast if it wasn't for learning that because right now I'm working off a template with questions and it's all there and it's easy. I don't have to be stressed out, you know, hours in advance before we get on the call to do this. I've got it all laid out and I can just trust in this structure that has been created to support the creation of the thing that I want to make. So I yeah. really appreciate, yeah. What I've and then you can throw it out the window if in the moment you're, you know, yeah. something else comes up and you want yeah. to do it a different way. So I feel like a lot of people don't do that because they think it's not adaptable and it doesn't leave room for flexibility and creativity. But for me, like a lot of the time, well, not a lot of the time, but sometimes I will completely throw that template out the window or even like today you sent those questions to me that you were thinking about asking, right? And I'll go through them the way I work. So I'll go through them and I'll think about what my answers will be. I'll, quite, I'll write what they'll be. But then I have to put them aside <laughs> because I find them distracting while I'm talking to have something in front of me and it's the same with speaking helps me feel prepared I'll have the whole thing in front of me but I can't look at it but I know it's there mm. so, you know this conversation we got somewhere where you wanted to dive deeper you still can you don't have to stick to that template in front of us mm. if we don't want to so for me it's helped me be more creative and flexible and adaptable because I feel like it's my my fallback. It's there. It makes me feel like I can be open and and grow from what's there. I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's like being. Um, I once went to Club Med in New Caledonia and. I fell in love with, with the trapeze that they had there and doing these tricks on the high wire tra tra trapeze was something that you could only do because they had a safety net and it's like having a safety net, having templates and systems and su supports around your creative projects. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good way of putting it. Mm. Now, what is your ideal morning routine? Do you have one? Um, mm -hmm. Do you believe in morning routines and what does your usual routine look like? I do believe in them and I also believe for me they go in waves mm. so they change and you're asking this question at a really interesting time actually because I can demonstrate how that's changed mm. for me. So I've been going through a period where I have been feeling really exhausted and drained and I have been really struggling to get out of bed in the morning when historically I've been someone who's up before everyone else and out there doing my morning routine and, and I've done heaps of stuff before, <laughs> before we sit down for breakfast. But up until probably this week when things have started to change a little bit, lately I've just been so tired that I'm the last one out of bed in the morning. Mm. And I had to have a little chat with myself and say, that's okay, that's what you need at the moment. Take the time you can and you need 
accept that your wonderful husband is happy to bring you breakfast and coffee and bed <laughs> and, and trust that if you look after yourself and, and you honour that this is what you need right now, that things will change. And then this week I have been able to get back up out of bed at the same time as them and come out and have breakfast with them in the mornings out in the veranda. We watch the birds and have little cuddles with Daniel and talks about the day ahead. And, and soon I imagine I'll be back into my, my past morning routine where I beat them out of bed and I go down to the beach and I walk in the water and I sit down on my rock and I look at the dolphins and have a little meditation and maybe a prayer and, and I do all of that before they wake, they wake up, before I join them for, for breakfast. So it can, I do have a routine, but it can change depending mm. on what's going on. Mm. Yeah, keep it fluid, what you need yeah. the most. That's beautiful. And do you take time off um, from your business? And if so, what does that look like and how do you plan for it? This is an area that I can really work on if I'm to be completely transparent. I do take time off, but not nearly enough probably. I have obviously a young one at home and I'm studying and have the business and and I find that it's a constant learning edge for me so I've been trying to have like more definite work hours and take a day off on the weekend see a lot of the time when I can work is when my husband is home it's mm. that's when I have someone to watch Daniel so I have to be really careful uh, and strict with myself to block out time to not work because otherwise I just get into auto mode and I'm like oh I've got you know Daniel's being watched I can I can do some work now and I have to force myself to snap out of that sometimes. Uh, I usually take time off over the holidays when Dusty's work shuts down too and and obviously having Daniel at home a lot, we're doing all kinds of things so I probably do better than what I actually think I do mm-hmm. but it is a learning edge it is something that I I am having to be conscious of all the time and I am curious to see whether that will be easier next year when he goes to prep or not but it's certainly not something that comes easy to me I do have to block out time um, in my calendar and build in little structures and rules for myself to make happen and they easily get dropped when I'm not mindful of it. So if I have an assignment on and due and I, for my masters and I know that I have to work through the weekend to get it done, Mm. I will very easily go back to working through weekends again. If I don't remind myself, Hey, that was just for them. So work in progress. Yeah. And I think, it is for well everyone I've spoken to. <laughs> yeah. But it's also not something that we need to beat ourselves up over as well. I think that we can have this idea in our mind that one way is better than the other and that we could easily be failing if we're not doing it in a way that we think is the right way, in inverted commas. Mm. Um, and I think we can 
there is a path through it um, where we can check in with ourselves and keep using that mindfulness because sometimes I've found where I've tried to enforce time off, it's actually drained me because I was feeling inspired and, and my work and my life are entwined and my work often gives me energy, not always, but so sometimes I think it can be, um, I, I have a friend who said to her when she was recovering from adrenal fatigue, she had a nurse, a nurse told her rest is only supportive if you don't want to be, you don't feel like getting up and dancing or something like that, you know, and it was really, it was a bit more eloquent than that, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like sometimes we can try and force ourselves to have a picture of what rest looks like and it's not actually what we need at that point too. Um, yeah. It's a funny ba- balance, a funny dance, isn't it? Listening yeah. to yourself. Mm. Especially when you're in a role, I guess, like you've just touched on where personal and professional is it the lines aren't as black and white and mm-hmm. what we're doing is and what we're reading and what we're watching um, are things that potentially one wouldn't usually do in their free time but <laughs> because it's so overlapped with our work. Mm. Yeah, so completely agree with everything you just shared. Wise one, you. Oh, thank you. Um, Andrew did his Yoda voice the other day. I was so impressed. Yoda. I don't know. I I think most men have got this hidden talent for being able to speak like Yoda. I can't do it. I would (laughs) if I could. (laughs) What um, is bringing you the most joy in your life and work right now? People. I think it's always people. Mm. My family, Daniel's little five-year-old jokes. <laughs> he's funny. He's yeah. so, so funny. Yeah. I think he's hilarious, but I'm biased. <laughs> he's really funny. He's got a particularly sharp sense of humour, I reckon, for a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit too quick. <laughs> yeah, and like my clients, you, our masterminders, yeah, uh, friends, it's always people, always. Yeah, beautiful. And what stresses you out and how do you deal with it? People. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's my favourite part of the whole podcast. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love people, but they also stress me out. Conflict, you know, upsetting them, disappointing them. Um, So, yeah, how do I deal with that? I I guess I remind myself I'm human and I'm not perfect and I try to reflect on my role in whatever happened and what I can do to prevent that in the future or approach things a little bit differently. Mm. And sometimes there's some hard truths there or there's some boundaries that I need to put up in place. But, yeah, people. Mm. And how do you like to cultivate playfulness, rest and joy in your life and work? Perhaps we yeah, how do you cultivate playfulness? Let's focus on that one. At the moment in this phase, I'm, I take a structured approach to it, similar to what we were talking about with the templates. Um, used to be different when I was younger and I had lots of free time. <laughs> but nowadays I 
do try to find a way to structure it or remind myself that to create space for it. So I'm quite often, for example, signing up to things like your wonderful flourish course. And, oh, and, <laughs> and we did, we did Gish this year. So that's a, it's an international scavenger hunt, which was really fun and silly. <laughs> and we're about to do this new thing as a family as we approach the holidays or our advent calendar when we open the doors is going to have a little activity behind it. So it ranges from things like creative, like painting through to ways that we can give back and acts of kindness, things that each other want to do, like build a big Lego train and have Lego competitions and, and things like that. That's awesome. Yeah, so I usually try to try to consciously create space for these types of things or sign my out myself up for for things that will force me to take time off each day to be playful wow you're the first person to say that they use structure and templates for playfulness (laughs) in their life but I'm not surprised (laughs) and it obviously works because some of those photographs that you shared from the gish scavenger hunt were hilarious you really (laughs) let your creative um, and a wild side come out and some of them like they were really really crazy with me. <laughs> yeah things from uh, like caroling at the beach in the middle of the year dressed up in Christmas clothes through to decorating toilet seats and knitting dominatrix outfits for Batman and yeah all types of <laughs> silly and fun things (laughs) I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to be a bit silly for a a week it's awesome (laughs) and in your journey so far has there been a time when you've had to give yourself permission to go against the grain or industry norms (sighs) my automatic response to that would be yeah because I like to think of myself as (laughs) a bit different and a rebel and feel like I've often been the odd one out but but then I do question how much have I really gone against the grain on things too I I can't think of any big examples but I do know that I am one of those people that doesn't automatically accept everything that a guru or leader says and I can't help but critically (laughs) think and also reflect on my own values and whether that's true for me and quite often it's not. So I don't feel like nothing huge is coming out to me but there have been little, little things probably every day that are a little bit different from ideal client stuff like I talked about before through to, I mean, only a couple of weeks ago, Dusty came to me about push notifications on a site and I'm like, no, that's way too aggressive. And he's like, but SEO, well, you know, gave me all the scientific and the, what the gurus say. And I was like, no, that's, that doesn't align with my values and how I want people to feel when they come to my site at the moment. It doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people, mm. but for me at the moment, no, that doesn't feel right. So there's often little things like that that I guess I don't notice so much. Hmm. 
And one that I think that stands out for me in your journey has been um, that time when you brought real awareness around the, and it's obviously integrated in for you so much that you don't even think about it perhaps now, but, but that time when you were seeing the disjuncture between the business and entrepreneurial world, which was very much focused on yourself. And then you had this interest in the not-for-profit or um, philanthropist and um, social, socially conscious side of organizations. And, and because of that, you decided to do your masters and start to marry those two industries together, which is pretty renegade. And, and it's, I guess a bit against industry norms. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't think about it anymore because it feels like maybe maybe it's just the people who I've surrounded myself with mm. now, mm. but it feels like the norm now. Mm. <laughs> you know, at the time though, yeah, it's exactly what you just said. I remember going to entrepreneurial and coaching events. I remember one day specifically I went to a, a human rights conference and a and an entrepreneurial event in the same day and just feeling like I had whiplash um, and just thinking, oh, wow, we, we are quite often operate in such a different way in, in this business and have so much to learn from these people who I had been listening to at the human rights conference about all sorts of things from business through to even public speaking, just the way that they presented what they were talking about was completely different to the presenters at, at, in the entrepreneurial space. Um, lots has shifted there now and there's lots of conversation about it now, but at the time it really did feel like we weren't conscious of those things. And mm. yeah, and that's when I did start to shift towards focusing more on the dream for others side mm. of things that was where all of that was born mm. and to wrap up i'm asking all guests this season two questions the first is what advice do you have for any heart-centered gentle folks who are perhaps thinking of starting a business hmm. my advice would probably be different from person to person but i would project <laughs> what advice I needed to hear back then and that might be relevant to, to people, to some people. And basically it feels a little bit like a summary of some of the themes we've been talking about actually, which is probably normal and that's being aware of those or learning to become aware of those intuitive nudges and trying to move forward on what you do know rather than focusing so much on what you don't know mm. yet and learning and tweaking through practice and trying to build in ways for support and people who get you and probably most importantly is really taking care of yourself because people might portray business as really sexy and freeing uh, but it can be really hard work and I feel like you need to have a or work on having a really solid self-care foundation. Mm. Mm. So wise, so wise, my friend. And secondly, oh. 
What advice do you have for any heart-centred entrepreneurs who want to pivot their existing business in a new direction or perhaps are thinking about kicking off a new project but they may be feeling nervous about doing so? Probably the same advice. (laughs) Uh, And I'd probably add to that though that because, again, I'm projecting something I had to remind myself of and that is that most pivots don't happen overnight they're not as drastic as what we sometimes make them out to be because they do usually involve phases or adjustments or like micro pivots uh, and I find like a lot of the time myself and and some of my clients they they're future tripping and it feels like this massive pivot and it is when you do that but quite often when you strip it back to what you can do now with what you know and with the the time that you have and the resources that you have and the capacity that you have to start doing that work that the first steps or the little micro pivots they're not as overwhelming and so I try to remind myself of that I guess it makes it a little less scary Mm. Mm. it's so interesting that you say that um, they can often feel really big in our own mind. And then to other people on the outside, they, they seem really obvious and natural. <laughs> I've yeah. felt that yeah. myself. Because a lot of the time you've started talking about these things, mm-hmm. haven't you, like in your content and conversations with clients. And, and I've found anyway a lot of the time that the back end of my business already reflects a lot of those pivots. I just haven't updated my website mm. or things like that to fully reflect it and I think that's pretty normal I feel like Mm. I don't know about you but I often feel like my website is always a little bit behind (laughs) where I'm at (laughs) of course (laughs) it it takes a while to catch up sometimes and that's really helpful too like (laughs) it feels for a current for about one day (laughs) yeah yeah And finally, what are you working on in this season of your business and how can people follow you online? Well, I'm thinking, and this is very fresh as of this week, that I'm going to take some time off social media and give myself some creative space and I want to, I'll be creating like more content and free resources for the people on my newsletter list and I have some exclusive kind of coaching offerings that are coming to mind that I think I'm just going to tell them about. And Mm. I think just over the next few months as we enter this holiday period, I'm, I'm wanting to really focus on creation and on them, on the people who, who are subscribed at my website. So I'd invite people to come along and, and um, sign up there at, so it's NaomiArnold.com if, if they're interested. But otherwise, the only other big thing that's coming up is our Gentle Business Mastermind. So really excited about working with you and Amanda on, on launching that for next year. Yay. And we're going to have a full 12 months in the program this, this season instead of 10 because we loved it so much, it just wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Can't so wait. Good. Who joins us and and go deep for a whole year with them. 
Yeah, it's such a lovely framework for building connections and supporting one another in building the business and also self-care. Um, it's a big yeah. underlying part, isn't it? Yeah, and talking about a lot of what we've been talking about today, really, hey, like each month and then helping each other integrate a lot of those things because a lot of the time this stuff we know in theory, it's mm. having people help us hold the space to start to make those things happen and to witness yeah, witnessing. the struggles. And mm. the, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really big part of it. Mm. Mm. Well, that was absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Naomi, for coming on the show and sharing from your heart about so many ins and outs and really useful frameworks that support you in your business and in your creative projects. And I just love you and I can't wait to move into 2019 and do life and business with you. (laughs) Thank you. You've been such a blessing in my life and and my business and I'm so excited that we get to collaborate together too and that I got to be here and chat with you and yeah I can't wait to see what comes next oh how exciting and there we have it the sixth episode of season one if you head over to nicolanewman.com you can find the show notes and links to where you can find Naomi Arnold and our gentle business mastermind online Until next time, be gentle with yourself, nurture your creativity and follow your heart. And I hope you have an awesome day ahead.